0: Welcome, it's Amelia Andaleon, yoga and meditation teacher, and our guest today is Max Fusaro on this episode of Spiritually Fit Yoga. Max is an addict who has been in recovery for over four years now. His story is one full of high highs and low lows, countless attempts at sobriety, followed by relapses, struggles, and years of false hope, followed by an eventual triumph and long-term recovery. Max discovered the life-changing practice of yoga and rehab in 2015. He wasn't ready to recover at that moment in time, but he felt yoga's ability to transform and knew the practice would be there for him when he was ready. So that's just the first part of Max's story. And there will be more that he shares about another attempt in rehab and how yoga has made a difference in his life as well as now he is a 200 hour registered yoga teacher and he created his own program yoga for recovery aimed to give people in recovery a safe space to share heal build community and flow together max is continuously searching for new ways to help others in recovery from addiction and or alcoholism He speaks at rehabs and detox centers on a weekly basis, sharing his experience, strength, and hope with others in early sobriety. I'm so grateful that Max took the time to have this conversation with me and that he is able to share his voice here on this podcast. And I invite you, you especially if you are an addict, to really listen to the story that Max, he was in the depths of a life of an addict. Not a light addict. He was like really, really in it. And then here, how even after everything that he went through, how today, after four years of sobriety, he's not tempted. He doesn't think about reaching for the opiates, for the alcohol, for the things that he was addicted to, which truly feels like a miracle and not feels like is a miracle. And I love the quote. There are several great quotes and nuggets of wisdom in this episode. But the quote that I pulled from this episode and titled it, Don't Quit Before the Miracle. So that was one of the big, like big advice that Max heard himself. And he wanted to make sure he shared that here in this episode for you listeners. And you'll hear him mention it more himself in this episode and i'm really really grateful grateful for this time grateful for this message this message of hope and inspiration and it feels like hearing max say hey if i could do it as much as i was deep in addiction if i can do it you can do it too that is what is possible it leaves you with a message of hope and possibility As always, I appreciate you listening. Thank you for being here. Let me know how these episodes, the podcast, is landing for you. Leave a review. Leave a message. Reach out to me in the episode notes. You'll hear how to reach out to Max. You can follow him. All of that will be there. And then you'll hear me again as we wrap up this episode at the very end of Max's story. Enjoy. A quick mention from my sponsors, one, me, spirituallyfityoga.com. This week, June 7 to 13, I'm hosting a free Love Yourself Challenge. Go to the link that's in the episode notes or go to spirituallyfityoga.com. Find out more there. Join me for free, free meditations, daily affirmation, journal prompts, and more. Check it out. And lastly, thank you to ubindi.com go there they host my courses and they host my website booking so they're a booking platform you can host courses there so those of you that are teachers of any kind look at obindi.com ubindi u-b-i-n-d-i.com and for the annual essentials plan if you want to get a discount use my code name amelia all in caps a-m-e-l-i-a and get 50% off all right. Thank you. Thank you to Obindi.com. See more in the episode notes and join me for my Love Yourself Challenge this week. Thank you all and enjoy this episode. Good morning and welcome, Max Fusaro. <laughs> we just had a little chat. It's like, how do I pronounce your last name? I wanted to make you, sure.
1: So you nailed welcome. It. <laughs> Nailed it. Great.
0: Great. Great. Oh, good morning. I know right now it's morning. It's morning for me. Um, still morning for you. And where are you at? Share with our listeners. I
1: am in New Jersey.
0: You're in New Jersey. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm in, yep. I'm in California. Hmm.
1: Coast to coast.
0: Yeah. Coast to coast, coast to coast. So Max, you and I, we are connected through the Baptist Yoga community. Mm-hmm. And I saw an Instagram post of yours that caught my eye and my attention that talked about you being in four years of sobriety. And then I reached out to you and we had a, you know, we shared some texts and, and I really wanted to um, have you talk to our listeners about your journey and your story and, and what you've been doing and, and what I often find teachers or people, you know, seeing them being so inspirational when they, when they, turn their pain into their purpose, you know, where they mm. from, mm-hmm. you know, the, the teachings, you know, of your life experience, your personal experience, and then how that becomes your your way of service, or what we call in yoga, our Dharma. And, and that's what I'm really, really excited to sit back <laughs> and listen mm-hmm. to you um, to share with the listeners your story, and what mm-hmm. you've been up to. And um, I'm so grateful you're here.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm like blown away and, and super really, really, truly humbled to be here and to just be asked to share my story is like a true blessing. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, the platform to just speak about um, this somewhat taboo subject, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's a really important one because I feel like that there are a lot of people listening that could really be um, inspired and supported and, and helped by your, your story. So I'm ready. I'm ready to listen. We're ready to listen. When you're ready, oh, really? go ahead and, and share.
1: Amazing. Thank you again so, so much. And um, to everybody listening, welcome. Thank you all so much for um, clicking play on this podcast today. So like, like Amelia had said, my name is Max Fusaro. And I'm in recovery from addiction, alcoholism. My main things were like opiates, uh, prescription painkillers. Like when you hear about that opioid epidemic that we've heard about for a few years now, like that is me. Um, When you look around like that, that's me, the opioid, the opiate addict. And uh, I'm in recovery now. I have been for... A little over four years. My date of sobriety is April twenty sixth, two thousand seventeen. So a little over a month ago, um, I celebrated four years of continuous sobriety, which for someone like me is truly a miracle. You know, um, I couldn't string together more than a couple of days and in those couple of days in active addiction while just white knuckling it and trying my hardest not to relapse, not to pick up again, not to drink, not to drug there wasn't one minute of those days that went by that I wasn't constantly thinking about it. I wasn't obsessing over it. I I couldn't get anything done. It was just constant thinking about where I'm going to get my next one, how I'm going to get my next one, what I'm going to have to do. To get the funds to get my next one. Um, And for somebody like me to have gone four years now in a row without picking up a drink or a drug is truly a miracle. Mm -hmm. And to say that I haven't even had the thought or the urge of a drink or a drug in at least three years again, is just evidence that miracles do exist. You know. And it's not to say that my life has been all sunshine and rainbows for the past four years. You know, I've, I've lost family members. We've had this whole pandemic. The world has kind of gone haywire and, and I'm sure everybody is dealing with a lot of stuff and myself included. Um, life, just because we recover, doesn't mean life goes on pause and things just get super easy um but my coping mechanisms my way of being has shifted and for me i credit that to a bunch of different things um i love the title of this podcast like spiritually fit and for me a higher power plays a huge part in my story and i don't believe that i really have done any of this myself for me it's just it's it's um kind of giving it all up to something greater than myself. Whatever you define that as, I believe that spirituality is um, very, very personal. You know, mm-hmm. I have a higher power that can be completely different than everybody else on the planet's higher power. And it's very personal to me. And your higher power can, can be completely different and so on and so forth. And we all kind of have our own thing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, it's, it's really a miracle. It, it truly is. Um, so I'll hop, I'll hop back really quick and just kind of get everybody. Uh, I'll give a little piece of my story. Just from the beginning. Um, like I said, I'm an addict, alcoholic, in recovery for a little over four years. And when I say those words, like addict, alcoholic, what I mean by that, because I didn't know what those words meant until I was introduced to like 12-step recovery programs and rehabs and detoxes. I, I really didn't know what those words meant, um, drug addict, alcoholic. And when I, when I say those words now, what that means is that I have a spiritual malady. I, I have a disease of more. When, mm-hmm. I put, when I put something into my body, there's no off switch. I can't stop. The only things that stop me are jails, institutions like detoxes and rehabs, or for for way too many people that I know, um, death. Mm. Those are the, those are the three things that stop. Um, and and yeah, this is this is a very serious issue for me. It always has been. Oh, actually, that's not true. It definitely always has not been. I thought I was invincible for a long, long time. Um, I thought I always knew what I was doing, but, um, that's not really the case when, um, this is like a super serious issue. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of thousands of people that die from this every year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I know plenty of them, you know, this runs in my family. Um, I ha- I had a cousin that passed away from this disease of more, um, and yeah, it, it's definitely a serious issue. I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, if not directly or it related to somebody that deals with this, they know of somebody, you know, mm-hmm. we all have. Hey, our Max, um, yeah.
0: Sorry. Uh, just, just to get a, an idea of mm-hmm. what age, what age are you, um, are we talking about in terms of like when this began, when you first started experiencing this?
1: Got it, of course, so right now i'm twenty nine okay. um I got sober when I was twenty five mm-hmm. I started trying to get sober when I was twenty two so it was three years of not sh- just struggling um to put a couple of days together, but I started drinking I didn't start with the drugs right away, but I started drinking when I was thirteen. 12, maybe 13 years old. Um, and a lot of things happened for me that first time that I drank that continued to happen all throughout my drinking career, my drugging career. Um, I blacked out the first time I drank.
0: At 13 I, years old?
1: Correct. Yep. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> wow, yeah. okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. That I, I always drank for effect. I never drank For the taste i don't think i hated the taste of everything i didn't really understand how people could like sit around and sip beer or sip wine like that that's not me i still to this day don't really understand it (laughs) (laughs) um i drank hard alcohol for the effect i didn't Mm -hmm. like the taste of any of it and uh, i drank it to get out of myself So when I was about, when I was 13, it might've been 12, it was 12 or 13. I can't remember. It was the summer of eighth grade. Um, The first time that I drank, I drank to excess. I drank to blackout. I stole the alcohol that I was drinking. It was not mine. Um, I lied to my parents, to my family about where I was going that night. I fell asleep in a place that was not my bed. I threw up. And, um, I got away with it
0: Mm.
1: and all of those things, the blacking out, the throwing up, the lying, and most importantly, the getting away with it carried out all throughout my drinking career. Like my, I, I really didn't have very many consequences. And I believe for myself that that kind of just kept the ball rolling Um, and then once the consequences did start to come in later on, they didn't really stop me, you know, I didn't really, um, care at that point. I didn't believe my life was totally out of control, totally unmanageable. Mm -hmm. Um, so just, but just from the beginning, like that's kind of where it started drinking, stealing the alcohol, blacking out. And uh, that's kind of what continued to happen like all throughout my high school career. I fit in with like I had I was popular growing up for some reason, like if you're good at sports when you're little, you have a lot of friends. Like, I don't I still don't, don't really understand how that works out, but around where I grow up that's that's the case. Yeah uh, I've, always, I've always just been like an athletic person. Um, So I had a bunch of friends growing up. I was one of the popular kids in like middle school and elementary school and stuff like that. And um, once high school came around, I just felt fear. Like always fear, like really, really, really controlled my life. Uh, Mainly the fear of what other people thought of me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: just fear that like because I, I grew up this like popular kid this like people were looking at me you know all the time mm-hmm. and uh and in my head the fear of what other people thought about me the fear that like all eyes are on me like oh is my hair okay do I have something in my teeth what am I gonna wear today blah 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 all this like superficial fear really mess with my head And um, the way that I knew how to quiet that voice was with drugs and alcohol. And it really worked. Mm -hmm. It it did. For a long time, it worked. And it worked until it didn't, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But it it worked for a long time. It really did. Um, So all throughout high school, I still had those... Like all like eyes were on me, fear of what other people thought of me constantly, fear that I'm not good enough, fear of failure, of rejection. So the, the drugs, the alcohol just put me in this like numbed state where that fear went away. Mm-hmm. You know? um, I had friends in high school and I still have some of my high school friends today and I love them to death and like, we're still great friends. Um but I had some friends in high school where like, I didn't really, I saw other people making these genuine connections, like these genuine friendships. And I just couldn't get there. I don't know. I feel like I just like missed that day of school where they tell everybody how to create genuine relationships. Maybe I was just like sick that day, but like I Mm. I just didn't get it. I really didn't. I could see it happening in other people. And it, it just wasn't happening for me unless if we drank and we drugged together, that's when I felt that bond. That's when I felt oh, that wow. like, gen- genuine connection with people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I sought out. I sought out people that in high school were smoking weed like me, were drinking all the time like me, were just doing the things that I thought was how I could create genuine connection with people. Um so that's that's kind of how that went for a long period of my life all throughout high school and it worked for a while it really did mm-hmm. like I made some good like we had fun I'm not going to sit here and say that I never had fun drinking like I never had fun drugging like that's just not true you know I had mm-hmm. some fun I really did but um but yeah then then the consequences like I got into college and Again, I surrounded myself with those same types of people, the people, that, um, the people that like to party, you know, the people that like to drink like me, which included blacking out all the time, the people that like to smoke like me, which included just smoking weed 24-7, the people that like, like to experiment with other things, like that's when the other drugs started to come into play. Um, the uppers, the downers, the cocaine, the opiates, the all like everything is that's kind of where that started to come into play. And I I would surround myself with these people that um that I knew wanted to do the same things that I wanted to do. And that's not to say that those connections weren't real. They very much were. And I still have friends from college that uh that I love, like to this day. I really do. But there are some others who it was you know, I, I had, I called them like drinking buddies, using buddies. Like we, were, we weren't really truly friends. We were just getting high together. We were just drinking together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh And yeah, in college, things started to get a little out of hand. They really did. I was high, like pretty much high 24-7, whether it be smoking or smoking weed or anything else. Just high all the time, drinking to black out at least three, four, sometimes five nights a week, um, and yeah, just going through the motions, kind of like a zombie. Um, not really, not really knowing what was going on, just kind of floating through and uh, just living. My purpose was to get messed up, was to drink, was to drug, was to just get out of myself you know, because that's when I felt the best. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this just like fear, this anxiety, this feeling of kind of like impending doom was just on me mm-hmm. unless I could drink it and drug it away, you know. Um, so that's kind of the college experience. I uh, I graduated from college and um I graduated. Let me, let me
0: ask you how how do you how do you function in college when you're high yeah. twenty four by seven? Huh,
1: that's a great <laughs> question. I didn't really. That is a very good question. Um, I didn't really function that well, you know. I uh, I mean my my GPA was solid enough. I think I graduated with like a three point two. Um, I went to St. Joe's University in Philadelphia. Like a, pretty decent school and um I graduated with a finance degree and an economics degree. Like yeah, I, I I functioned um well enough, like just enough to skate by. I knew I could do like the bare minimum to do like get decent grades. Um and mainly I cheated a lot, honestly. Mm. I cheated on a lot of things. We today have these things in our pockets all the time, these cell phones that are basically computers. Hmm. And uh, I was able to get away with a lot of stuff.
0: You know? Wow.
1: Us, like they say it all the time, like drug addicts, alcoholics, we're not dumb people. Yeah. You know? we're, uh, we're pretty crafty and, and um, we're able to figure our way into and out of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I was able to do. So I, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the way that I did it. I found the easiest way to get through something. And if that meant I had to, I would use like study drugs, Adderall, Vyvanse, like ADHD medication. If I needed to, if I needed to do that, to cram for a test and just try to remember everything for three hours, dump it onto my test sheet and then walk out, I was able to do that too. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I got through it, whether mm-hmm. it be cheating, whether it be cramming, um, just kind of like the easiest, softest way to get through anything was the way that I was going to find. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then somewhere along the way there was a, a wake up call or something that Mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Yeah. So that came after college. I graduated college and, um, I graduated, like I just said, by uh, finding the easiest way through. And gratitude just was not a, it just wasn't in my vocabulary. It was not a word in my vocabulary at the time. It really was not. Um, I was grateful for pretty much nothing. In reality, I look back now and I had everything. I really did. I was healthy enough. I mean, I was drinking 24-7 and drugging 24-7, but I was healthy. My body has always been way too good to me. Um, I was healthy. I had a roof over my head. I had money in my pocket. I had food, I had shelter like I had everything to be grateful for, but I wasn't grateful in the slightest bit um and that's kind of like the addict mentality. It's very selfish and um I began to throw myself a pity party after graduating from college because. I moved home. Um, I was living in Philadelphia for college and I moved home with my parents afterwards. Um, and I didn't have a job in lined up in like the field that I studied when in reality, I didn't really study. Like I said, I kind of cheated on everything. So I don't know like what I was thinking at the moment, but, um, but I start to like throw myself this pity party in my head it's like poor me like I don't have anything I don't have this job I don't have this and that I was in like a cup like some sort of relationship in college and that kind of went haywire and and I just start throwing myself this pity party you know this uh this poor me attitude and um, it began to kind of spiral after school and that's when I got into opiates like prescription painkillers And that's kind of where my story takes off um, and takes off in the downward direction, kind of like a downward spiral pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I was super depressed. And and yeah, I start using these opiate painkillers because while living at my parents' house, it's not really okay to be like blackout drunk and smoking weed all the time. Like those things smell and, I'll act like I like I figured I'd be, I'd be, I'd get caught very quickly doing that all the time. So I, uh, I switched over to these little blue pills that I knew I could sneak around. And, uh, and yeah, my life kind of went down pretty quick. I told myself I was just going to do them on the weekends to start. And then the weekends turned into weekends and Wednesdays and then weekends and Wednesdays turned into every single day. And then I'm never going to do them before noon and then I'm doing them right in the morning when I wake up and then it turns into 24 seven right away. Like that's just the addict in me. And, um, it's 24 seven, probably within like two weeks, I'm ripping and running and, uh, off to the races Mm -hmm. and I can't stop. I'm like physically addicted, mentally addicted. Um, I can't stop for the life of me. The only thing that stopped me, like I said earlier, was the three things that stop any drug addict alcoholic jails institutions death so for me this time it was institution i went to a um i went to a detox facility so i was i had no intention of going i didn't think anything was really really wrong in my brain in my addict brain while all this is going on while i am getting high 24 7 and lying and stealing and manipulating and cheating and robbing and and everything um under the sun while i'm doing all this in my head i'm telling myself i can stop anytime i know what i'm doing i've got this all under control if i really wanted to stop i can in reality that couldn't have been further from the truth but that's what was going on in my head um I can manufacture BS on one side of my head and then the other side of my head buys it, you know? So like I can, I'm a very good, I was a very good liar to other people for sure. I I knew how to spin a story just to get what I wanted very selfishly. Um, but at the same time I was the best liar to myself. I was able to convince myself that I've got this under control. I don't have, I don't have an issue. I can stop if I really want to, but I just don't want to right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that couldn't have been further from the truth, but I was pretty good at convincing myself that. Mm -hmm. So I, um, my introduction to kind of treatments, rehab, stuff like that came when I was 22 and I was living with my parents and, um, I was taking money from them while living there. And I didn't have enough money to support my habit and I was, um, I would do anything to get, get the next one. And just in that mindset, it's like, it's not like I wanted to do it. It wasn't a want. It was, I needed to do it. Like I physically need this to survive. It's not like I wanted to, like I knew it was wrong. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew stealing was wrong. I knew lying was wrong. I knew manipulating was wrong. Like at my core, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but I needed to do it just to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, One, because I was physically addicted. Like if I stopped taking these drugs, I would sweat. I would shake. I would, my bones would start to ache. I would, I felt like I had arthritis all throughout my body. And I felt like my, my bones were crawling out of my skin. Um, so physically addicted was a a portion of the, I had to do it. And then mentally I was just obsessed. I couldn't get it out of my head. Mm -hmm. Every second that I wasn't high, I was thinking about getting high. I was thinking about how I was going to get the money to get high. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was my first introduction to a detox rehab facility. I: was did, you, living... did your
0: parents did your parents send you there, or was there an intervention? or
1: So I was, like I said, living with them, taking money from them, and each time I took it, I was like, "I'm going to put this back. I swear I'm going to put this back." And uh, it was like an everyday thing. I would open, open the drawer. I'm going to take this money, but I'll put it back tomorrow. And then, no, I'll put it back tomorrow. And that continued and continued. And uh, they just noticed that there was money missing, you know. Um, and then they brought it up to me. And when I, I was backed into a corner, and uh, like I said, I had no intention of changing or anything. They brought it up that there's money missing. And I was backed into a corner. And my first instinct was to lie. And uh, that's what I did. I lied and I said I had a gambling problem because I didn't, I didn't want to admit that I had a, uh, a drug problem and that lasted all of about like, I don't know, one day maybe. And then it was, and then they asked me if I could take a drug test and, uh, and yeah, I couldn't, I knew I was going to fail it. So that was kind of my first admission that I had a problem that I, I was in trouble. And, um, I that I was back into a corner, so I went to a detox rehab for the first time. That was that was my introduction. Um, I just got caught, you know. And if I didn't get like I said in the beginning, like a lot of things that happened all throughout my career, is I didn't get caught. And up until that point, I didn't get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, so that time I did and uh i went to a detox and i really had no intention of stopping i really didn't i didn't see how i I knew it was a big deal i did um but i wasn't ready you know I, i was 22 years old all of my friends were still drinking and smoking weed and having a good time like on the weekends and stuff um so that was my intention when I got out of there. When I got to rehab, they were like, you need to, this is like abstinence. No drinking, no smoking, like nothing. You can't, like that's how sobriety works. And in my brain, like I I, I had heard the word alcoholic. I had heard the word addict, but I had no idea what it meant. And uh, I didn't think that was me. I just didn't. I wasn't ready to accept that. What I wanted to do was when I got out of there, When I got out of detox, I wanted to continue to just drink beer and smoke weed like I see all my friends doing, you know, like, like I could do that on weekends, just drink some beer, smoke weed and like, have fun with my friends. You know, that's, that's what I wanted to do at 22 years old. I didn't think I thought everybody was being a little dramatic that I had to uh, stop everything and be sober forever. You know, Um, I, I wasn't ready. So I got out of there, not knowing that I was an alcoholic, not knowing that I, that I am a drug addict and that I don't have any sort of control over anything. Once I put something into my body, there is no control. I can't like, if I could just drink beer and smoke weed, I would have, I tried. I really did. And I wanted that to be true. When I got out, I, uh, that's what I did. I smoked weed. And then the next night, I went out and got some beers at a bar with my friends. And that same night, I was on my way to pick up opiates Mm. because that's my that's my drug of choice. That was the uh, day
0: after you got out.
1: Yep. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really understand at the time that I had no control. Like they were telling me in. Like the detoxes, rehabs, that like you don't have any control, you don't have the power of choice, you're totally powerless. And they would say that to me, and I didn't believe them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to listen. Um, I was like, No, you don't get it. Like everybody else, I, ha- I I had an inferiority complex, but also a huge ego. Um, so I when they would say that to me, I was like, No. I'm different. You you don't get it. Like you must just be weak or something. Like I can handle this. You know, I got this under control in reality. I didn't, but, but I needed to try. Um, Mm -hmm. that's just part of my story. That's the way that it goes. Relapse is a big part of my story. Mm -hmm. I needed to give it a try and, um, it never ended well every time. And that, that same cycle happens multiple times for me. It's the same story that repeats itself. I, uh, I get out of our place. I think I can just drink and smoke weed. I try that. I'm right back to opiates. And then I find myself back in trouble, back in a new um, rehab detox. And it didn't happen just one time. It happened multiple times. Wow. Uh, and the cycle just repeats itself until this time around something was just different yeah mm-hmm. and this time around um things got really dark at the very end I was living in Hoboken New Jersey in an apartment with a roommate and uh I was doing opiates again every day um I had like a mattress like on the floor and that was pretty much the only thing in my room I had like towels over the windows so like no light would get in and uh, I was very depressed and I was getting high 24 7 convinced very much convinced like I have a mattress on the floor one dresser and like towels over my windows but I can convince myself like I'm having a great time you know this is exactly what I want to do um i just want to get high can't everybody just leave me alone um i've got this under control and um yeah this time around i took some opiates some prescription painkillers that i was never prescribed a prescription painkiller in my life i got them all off the street um but i did one and it was fake and i could tell right away i've done enough of them to know um it was a fake one and my whole world started like spinning and I threw up and I passed out on uh, on my bathroom floor for it might have been like 12 hours or something like that because um, it was the middle of the day and I woke up the next day and I, I knew when I woke up that next day, I just had this like feeling and still to this day, I don't really know what it was for me. I call it, it was my higher power is my first like God shot is kind of what I, what I call them. Um, But I just woke up and something was different. I could just feel it all throughout my body. I had the, I had all the mirrors in my apartment, like kind of turned open, like, you know, the bathroom mirror and you open it and it has like the medicine cabinet behind it. Mm -hmm. I I had that permanently open because I didn't like to look at myself. I hated the person that I'd become. So I always just left that open. So I couldn't see myself in the mirror. Um, And when I woke up that day, that was April 26th, 2017. I woke up that day and I closed the mirror and I looked at myself right in the face and I looked horrible. And I I finally looked at myself for the first time in probably like a year or two. And, um, and I just asked myself, what are you doing? This isn't you, this isn't who you were raised to be this isn't okay. Like I don't have this under control and I needed help. And that was the first time that I was willing to admit that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have the control and that something needed to change. And I didn't know what needed to change. And I was terrified. I'll never forget that, that fear of like, I didn't want to die anymore. Um, I had come pretty close and I, I really didn't want to. I thought mm-hmm. in the past that like whatever, it's it is what it is. If I if I die, I die. I didn't really mind either way. Um but that day I woke up and uh and yeah, things were different. I could just feel it. I didn't want to do this anymore. I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. hmm So I um I agreed to go to detox again and to go to a treatment center in Arizona for 30 days. Hmm. Um, yeah, they told me, they said I could go to Arizona and that was kind of it. I I wasn't really going to fight it any longer. I had tried to fight it for as long as I possibly could to not go somewhere far away and not take off work and not all these things that people think about me. Like, what are they going to think? Like, oh, they're, they're going to ask where I was or I'm not going to have my phone for 30 days. Like, people are going to miss me, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's all just nonsense stories that I tell myself in my head that uh, that have the power to almost kill me. You know, mm-hmm. like what other people that fear, what other people think of me almost killed me um because i didn't want to go to a a rehab i didn't want to go try and work things out because i was terrified of what other people would think of me what my job would think of me what my friends would think of me what all of it you know and this time i was just ready and um i listened to what other people told me this time around it wasn't like all the other times around all the other rehabs and detoxes like it wasn't like they were hiding the secret of sobriety away from me all the other times. And then this time they're like, Oh no, Max, here you go. Like now we'll tell you how to actually do it. Um, they always told me I just Mm -hmm. wasn't ready to listen. I wasn't willing to listen and I, I just wasn't ready. And, um, this time something else was, was, I was just ready. I could tell. I was ready to just admit and accept that I was an alcoholic, that I was a drug addict, and that I can't drink and drug like normal people. Mm-hmm. I I had to get that out of my head because I fought that for so long. I fought that. I just want to drink beer. I just want to smoke weed like a normal, like young twenties kid. Like I see all my friends doing it. Like why can't I do that myself? Why can't I just be like them? And I finally accepted that I couldn't. That's not me. I I don't have any control. They can can they can do it. They can drink and party on the weekends and then wake up Monday morning and not drink or drug Monday through Friday. They can do it. Mm-hmm. I can't.
0: So that was the beginning of your four years of sobriety? Correct. That was. That's correct. Okay. That so was the beginning. What was? what would you say are the key? So for the listeners, so it's just like it's such a, gosh, I can really feel. You know, like all of the everything from twelve years old, thirteen years old, to this point, starting your four years of sobriety, mm-hmm. and then now, you know, looking for the hope. So somebody like you, you were like you're you're the real deal. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. You are yeah. you are
0: not like your friends who could smoke mm-hmm. weed and drink beer and be okay. You are you're an you're an addict, and yet you right. are able to stay sober for four years. Mm-hmm. So what is it? What has what has made it possible for you to stay sober for four years and say that you, you don't even feel tempted anymore. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Correct. Yeah. For me, what has made that possible to getting to this point is not quitting. I've heard it said, I think it was a counselor in rehab that told me don't quit right before the miracle. You know, so you don't really know When that day is going to come, like I said, I struggled like on and off going to detoxes and facilities for from 22 to 25. Like I I couldn't string together very many days sober and um, I kept failing and failing and failing and failing and relapsing and getting high. And, and I just kept trying to, to just do it on my own, to just white knuckle it and just figure it out. Um, and what I didn't do is I just didn't quit on my life. Mm -hmm. I came close very many times. Um, but what I would say is like, don't quit right before the miracle. You never know when you're going to have that experience. For me, it was April 26th. Like I, I, I did some drugs and I fell out kind of feeling one way in this one mentality Mm -hmm. And I woke up the next day feeling completely different. I had had like a psychic change, like, like a, a monumental shift in my, in my perspective, in my outlook, in what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and how I was feeling about my life in general. So what I would say is, is don't quit before the miracle. Don't mm-hmm. give up, keep trying it is possible recovery is possible it's not easy but it's pretty simple there are simple things that we need to do in order to recover for me it was i needed to get myself to 12-step recovery meetings and i needed to follow their direction hmm I needed to get a sponsor, I needed to work the 12 steps, I needed to help other people. I needed to pray and I needed to meditate and I needed to get out of my own way. Mm-hmm. And just give it all up. Yeah, that's, that's really what worked for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when did the yoga come in and the impact of the yoga?
1: The yoga also. Very, very much helped for me <laughs> and continues to to this day.
0: Mm-hmm. The yoga
1: came in in a rehab facility in Arizona. And when I went mm-hmm. out there, the first yoga class well, actually, the first yoga class that I took was in one of the first treatments that I went to, and it was before I got sober, so I think I was like twenty two. and I took a yoga class, and I knew at that moment, the first one that I took was in treatment. And it was with an instructor, Julia, like I'll I'll never forget her just because I knew in that moment how powerful the practice was, like how much power that it had to get me just present and it had the ability to transform. I could feel it in that moment. I was still like addicted and and obsessed with drugs and alcohol and 24 seven, my brain was racing, racing, racing about when i'm going to get my next one how am i going to get my next one what do i have to do do i have to rob somebody do i have to steal something do i have to lie what do i have to do like my brain's just going 24/7 but in that yoga class i think it was like a half an hour long i didn't think of that at all mm. it was the first like half hour in years that i had the ability to just move and breathe and that was it So I knew in that moment that like that practice, when I was ready, that practice was going to help save my life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's what it has done and continued to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was in like 2015, maybe was when I took the first one. And then again, 2017 in Arizona at the last rehab that I went to, Mm -hmm. I did another yoga class there. And was reintroduced to the practice again, and I had that same experience. I was able to just move and breathe and not be with my thoughts. For that one was a full hour long, and it was just me and one other person and the instructor. And uh, funny enough, both of us are actually now yoga teachers. The two students that were there. Oh um, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. we still keep in contact, and we both teach yoga. Um, To this day. But yeah, that was when I I rediscovered it in Arizona, like four years ago. Um, And it has truly, yeah, helped save my life. I was um, still kind of figuring things out in early sobriety. I didn't really know what to do. I, like my friends were all drinking and stuff, like all my old friends. So like, I couldn't really hang out with them in the beginning because I didn't want to be tempted. I was kind of like sheltering myself away. I wanted to just do the next right thing and just like, like do what I had to do in order to not die. And for me, for me, that was like, I can't, I need to protect myself. I need to just do the right things. Started like exercising and stuff and, and going to meetings, like, like 12-step recovery meetings and things like that, and just continuing to do the next right thing. And along that path, I went with my sponsor to where I teach now, which is Hot Yoga Revolution. And there's two studios. One is in Cranford, New Jersey, and the other one is in Betucha, New Jersey. Um, And that first class that I went to, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the teacher. I know exactly where I was in the room. It was packed with like 50 people. And hot power yoga baptiste yoga like it was incredible and um and i walked down the stairs after the class and then i got to the parking lot and i walked right back up the stairs and i bought like a 20 class card right away and then i went and it, it, it just had like such a profound impact on my life the sense of community the all of it, the sweat, the heat, the power, the like transformation of the methodology in my head, like I needed every single bit of it. Mm-hmm. And I loved every single bit of it. Mm-hmm. And I got that 20 class card. And when that ran up, I got another one. And mm-hmm. then um and then when that ran up, I did teacher training. I jumped right in. I think I did 40 classes in like 40 <laughs> days. And then I did teacher training like right away. Oh, I knew podcast. like that at that moment, like I just knew, I was like, I know this has the power to help so many people. It's helped me tremendously. Just like that hour a day, this community, just like the most loving, kind, accepting people, like just the best people on earth. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, I'm very biased, but like hot yoga revolution, like that's where like those people literally saved my life. They they uh and they continue to do daily um and i knew that that's what i needed to do that's what i it, it was just like like called to it kind of pulled towards it mm-hmm. um again like a higher power moment just like just jump in just and that's that really wasn't me to just like take the leap you know mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's kind of what i did i just took the leap i didn't really know what i was getting myself into like 200 hours like that seems pretty long but here we go and uh, and um yeah it definitely altered the course of my life Mm -hmm. it was um and i knew that like this practice has such a power to transform and that other people especially those in recovery and struggling from addiction and alcoholism like it it had it's so powerful and it, it it's so uplifting and empowering and for people like myself when we're so like beaten and broken and down on ourselves and and just like the self esteem, the confidence is not there. Like, this practice really helped me build myself up.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: community really helped me build myself up and like loved me until I could learn how to love myself. Right. You know. Um
0: Yeah, and you created a yoga for recovery class. Correct. correct.
1: Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I um I've been teaching since, when have I been teaching? I've been teaching for a little over two years now at Hot Yoga Revolution. Currently, I teach like four classes a week. Um, Two of them are live stream, two of them not. Uh, Well, they're all in studio, but two are kind of both ways. But um, I created a yoga for recovery class, and it was a 90 minute in total class and yoga for recovery was recovery in the broadest sense of the word. So for myself, I'm recovering from addiction, alcoholism, there were other people that came to those, those classes that um, that were in it for the same thing, addiction, alcoholism, there are other people recovering from anxiety, recovering from depression, recovering from eating disorders, PTSD, really anything. So recovery in the broadest sense of the word, we were just including, inclusive of every single person. Um, And those classes were 90 minutes. The first 30 minutes, we would read out of, I'm sure if you've been to Baptiste programs and in the world of Baptiste yoga, we would read a passage from the Journey to the Heart book by Melody Beattie. Mm -hmm. So we would flip that open, read a random passage, wherever the page fell, the page fell. Um, We would read a passage from the book and just go around in a circle, kind of sitting on our mats, talking about how we relate to the reading, how it relates to our personal recovery journeys. And then after those 30 minutes, we would do 60 minutes of heated power yoga
0: nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and
1: and currently and and that class i know had a profound impact for myself for a lot of other people um uh, for me it, it was a great way to um to help share the practice to help share just create a safe space for people struggling from whatever they're struggling from to show up and just talk about it and um and i know the power of community like it they say the opposite of addiction is connection. And, and that has been very true for me. Um, when I was in active addiction, I was very alone and secluded and living in my own little bubble. Um, and connection, like shining a light of connection on my on my issues and just talking about them and reaching out to people has been incredibly, incredibly helpful. So I wanted to create a space where um, other people could do the same. And that's what we did. We had a class, 90 minutes. And right now it's on pause just due to mainly the pandemic. We were on Zoom for a little while, strictly Zoom in like the height of the pandemic. And then attendance started to waver a little bit. And we kind of put it on pause. We're waiting. We're going to bring it back soon, hopefully. We're just waiting for... Currently, we have like a mask mandate in our studio where we're wearing masks at all times. And um, I just don't really think that kind of sharing that like deep emotional sharing about our recovery and about our journeys. It's not really conducive to like mask wearing and get a little impersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just waiting a little bit longer. Hopefully soon we'll get that class back up and running. I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. And it sounds like it's helped so many people. And, and um, yeah, and I bet that there are people listening that wish that they could take a class with you, or that type of class, a yoga for recovery mm. class, and I love how it was inclusive—the way that you included. Because there's so many, so many different types of addictions out there. Of course, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, absolutely. Anyone from all of it: drugs, yeah. alcohol, gambling, shopping, eating—exactly. Yeah, any, yeah, anything.
0: Right. Well, before we wrap up, I I want to circle back. So it it. And you've probably already thought of this, but um, connection. And it makes mm-hmm. me think about your comment at the beginning of this episode where you said that, did did I miss the class in high school on how to make <laughs> friends? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I know, I, I feel like I've had that thought <clears throat> at times and, um, and how all of us want to be, have that sense of connection and that sense of belonging and you so much to the point that you you thought you could find it taking drugs. And instead, now there's ways to other ways to find it through your higher power Mm -hmm. through these yoga classes, um, through changing your mindset. And um, yeah, connection. I love it. Say that again. What did you say? Connection is the you just said something earlier.
1: Yeah. So addiction is the opposite of connection.
0: Yeah. Addiction is the opposite of connection. Yeah.
1: Connection. Connection is the opposite of
0: addiction. Hmm either Mm -hmm. way. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Max, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and, and also sharing, you know, what some of the keys have been for you to stay sober and congratulations, staying sober for over four years. And I always like to wrap up the episodes with asking, uh, what are three ways you would suggest to our listeners to stay spiritually fit?
1: so for me the three ways to stay spiritually fit number one for me is pretty simple it's it's prayer and meditation um i've i was told in early recovery that prayer is me speaking to my higher power and meditation is me listening to my higher power um so anything from for me like simple prayers, especially in the beginning. I didn't even know what a higher power was when I was coming into recovery. Like I had no connection in the slightest bit. So just kind of building that, staying spiritually fit by just waking up and saying, thank you. Like, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for getting me through another day. Just thank you. Um, And just asking for like the strength. That, That still to this day helps me stay spiritually fit. It's just prayer and meditation that would be number one. Uh, number two, like I said earlier, gratitude was not a part of my life, was not a part of my vocabulary. And today it very much is, um, for me staying spiritually fit gratitude. I I have a journal, like a gratitude journal, and I just write down three to five things every day that I'm grateful for. And, um, and then gratitude as well as an action word, like not just gratitude like gratitude as an action word, like like showing that I'm grateful, showing how grateful I am, how can I show that I'm grateful for the life that I live today? Um, so continuing to practice gratitude all throughout my day has been extremely helpful in staying spiritually fit. And then the last one, number three, is helping other people. That's probably. The biggest one for me, it was told, and I believe that the most spiritual thing on the planet is people helping people, especially for somebody like me, Um, for a drug addict, alcoholic, who my entire world revolved around me, the entire universe revolved around me in the past. I was a very selfish, self-centered person. So for me, in order to stay spiritually fit, I need to get out of that mindset. I need to get out of myself. And I need to help other people, whether that be teach a yoga class, whether that be give somebody a phone call, just a couple minutes a day, and say, "Hey, how are you doing?" That's it. What's going on? Just thought about you. Wanted to check in on you. Like, how are you? Um, Really, anything. Just continuing to do the next right thing, and helping other people. That's that's kind of how I stay spiritually fit.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, those are great tips, and I through this podcast or through this episode, I hear you being helpful, helpful and, and sharing your message and giving people a message of hope and inspiration. And, and yeah, the tips that you shared to stay spiritually fit and, and um, yeah, the connection that you offer through your yoga for recovery classes, I just I see you making a big impact in this community and the, and the greater community. And I am grateful. I am grateful for you. I'm really grateful Thank for your you. story. And I'm really grateful for your willingness to share with me on this episode and, and anyone else that's that's listening. And then I'll put this in the episode notes. Um, but how can people reach you?
1: So people can reach me. I teach, like I said, four times a week. If you're ever in New Jersey, in the area, at Hot Yoga Revolution in Cranford, New Jersey, and in New Jersey. Two studios there. Baptiste Affiliates. Um, I'm also on Instagram, so you can follow along. I post pretty much everything that I'm doing there, and it's just my name. So it's at Max underscore Fusaro on Instagram. Like you said, it'll be in the episode notes. Um, I also do some free YouTube meditations. There's a couple of flows on my channel as well. I believe that link will be in the episode notes. And, um, yeah, those are really the places you can find me and figure out what I'll be up to next and connect and, and yeah, all that good stuff.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Max. This has been a really great episode. I've really, really loved hearing from you and getting to know you. And I know this won't be the last time that you and I will stay connected. We'll stay in touch. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much, Amelia. And thank you for for everything, for giving me the space to, to share my story. So thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Wow, wasn't that amazing? Thank you so much, Max Busaro, for your story and for being so inspirational. And I want to wrap up with a few key quotes I want to share with you. So some of my favorites that I picked up were one, the title of this episode, Don't quit before the miracle. Don't quit before the miracle. And then the other ones were addiction is the opposite of connection. And then also connection is the opposite of addiction. So those were some great sound bites that I grabbed from from Max's story and his episode and to sum up what were his three ways to stay spiritually fit the first one was prayer and meditation even if it's a simple thank you thank you thank you for this life two he keeps a gratitude journal three to five things every day he writes down what he's grateful for and he talked about gratitude as an action word how can you show you are grateful for this life today and then a third one, which he said is the most important one, is helping other people. The most spiritual thing on the planet is people helping people. I loved how he shared that and, and that is a great way to, we talk about volunteering and, and as yoga teachers, to be of service. And it's like get yourself out of focusing on yourself and see what can you do to be of service and to be a contribution to others such a great list of how to stay spiritually fit it was a great episode check out the episode notes I share the links and everything that he mentioned on how you can reach him and follow him on Instagram on YouTube and if you're in New Jersey and you're lucky enough to take a class with him see him in Cranford or in Metuchen I don't know why I love saying that that word, Metachin, because I wasn't sure how to pronounce it until I heard him say it. Metachin, New Jersey, Cranford, New Jersey. See him at Hot Yoga Revolution. All right, my friends, thank you for joining me for another episode of Spiritually Fit Yoga. Until next time, peace out.